Readings from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3-8 to Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any afflictions. Be the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And we are, if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. This is the word of the Lord. Grace and peace be yours today from our God and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters, the other day I came across a very interesting documentary movie that was describing beauties of Ireland. One of the things that this country is very well known for is its green. The producers of this movie claimed that you haven't seen green until you have been to Ireland. They even have a folk song called Forty Shades of Green. But in order for the country to be so green, there is a lot of mist and fog. The west coast of this island gets an average of 225 rain days per year and the fog obscures the beautiful countryside for over 100 days. As I was thinking about it, I realized that this is in some way a parable of life. Wherever you find a Christian life that is covered with the mists and fogs of pain and tribulation, you will likely find a verdant green beauty of the soul. Great heart, you see, is a product of great troubles. In other words, God allows difficulties in your lives so that we can understand the comfort and experience strength that only He can provide and become all He wants us to be. If anybody, anybody knew what it was to be humbled, if anybody knew what it was to have his life covered with fogs, if anybody knew what a constant dripping rain of tribulation was, it was the Apostle Paul. But instead of fighting it, he embraced it. Instead of resisting it, he welcomed it. He reached the point when out of his spiritual experience with Jesus Christ, he exclaimed, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distress, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, he had learned that the trouble and the trial and the pain that come to his life was the very rain and mist and fog that God used to make him the real follower of Christ. He knew what we all should learn, that, that God's strength is perfected in our weaknesses. Only when we come to the extremity of life and have no human solution for our situation, only then can God start working in our lives and through His grace transform us to people He designed us to be. 
is like that purifier in Malachi 3.3, who refines us as silver or gold, so we would bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Psalm 42 speaks to this very issue. The psalmist found himself in a severe mist and a fog of trouble. It was so deep that it brought him continual tears. He was mourning all the time. He, has, he had been disallowed from the worship and the house of, at the house of God. He no longer could assemble with God's people. He was being mercilessly attacked by his enemies. And all that was having a physical effect on him. He felt abandoned by God. He felt oppressed. Though he was undeserving, he felt his soul panting after God, his eyes endlessly shedding tears, and the threatening situation seemed to be worsening. Can you relate to it these days? Do you feel like that? Abandoned by God, confused, desperate, separated from people you like, constantly fed by depressing news? Our human situation hasn't really changed, has it? But the moment he stopped concerning on himself and listening to the complaints of his mind and focused on his troubled soul, sprinkled through that psalm are moments of hope and encouragement. And he asked, Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? And then he answers his own query. Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his presence. I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. It's simply when he took his eyes off the situation and put them on his God, when he stopped listening to his troubled minds, mind, things began to change and there was an alternation in his mood. He was affirmed that God will come and help him. And not only that, he says God will help his countenance, which means God will change an expression on his face. Have you ever seen a face of a man who is depressed, desperate, or unhappy? He doesn't have to say a word and you can recognize his trouble, right? And the psalmist says God will come and help and my face will get better. I will lose the drawn, haggard, perplexed appearance and began to look composed and calm and peaceful and balanced. He knew that God was going to come and take care of him because he is the source of his comfort. And it was his faith in God that made him say, I will yet praise him. There will be a song in the night. You know, the psalm is actually articulating what Isaiah certainly grasped in his book. The prophet was every day to affirm the comfort of God in dire circumstances. In chapter 49, verse 13, he writes, Shout for joy, O heavens, and rejoice, O earth. Break forth into joyful shouting, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people, and all have compassion on his afflicted. And then in chapter 51, verse 12, he says, speaking for God, I am he who comforts you. And in chapter 52, verse 9, break forth, shout joyfully together, for the Lord has comforted his people. And later, that wonderful expression in chapter 66, verse 13, 
as one whom his master mother comforts the lord says i will comfort you and you shall be comforted and the same comfort flows from the whole new testament today as we celebrate palm sunday we are reminded about jesus's journey to jerusalem in a few days before his crucifixion and he was very distressed and troubled and we see him more than before coming to his father in prayers and asking him for comfort father if it's your will take this cup from me yet not my will but yours be done and even when jesus went on the cross and suffered a terrible pain for us god was never closer to jesus jesus than he was at that moment never and after his resurrection jesus was comforting the troubled disciples saying i give you my peace and then right before his ascension he promised them i will not leave you comfortless because i go it doesn't mean you will be without a comfort in fact i will send to you another comforter one just like myself see god was comforter christ god incarnate was a comforter and the holy spirit god the third member of the trinity is also a comforter and so the apostle paul can sum up the comfort received from god in philippians 4:13 saying i can do all things through him who strengthens me him who encourages me and makes me brave this is very issue of comfort and trouble that is the heart of paul as he launches into his long and very important letter he is expressing his thankfulness and gratitude to god for his son jesus christ who died for his sins and brought comfort to his soul in the midst of all of his pain his epistle is like catalog of what paul was facing all throughout his second letter to corinthians he is letting us feel the ache in his heart over the various trials and troubles and pains that afflicted him but he doesn't do it for the sake of sympathy he does it to prove that god is faithful to his people and so in verse 4 he basically says look i can prove it on my life god of all comfort never fails it is his nature it is his promise the father of tender mercies pity and compassion will do whatever he needs to do to sustain and comfort you the word comfort doesn't mean giving ease it rather means strengthening encouraging making brave bold and courageous now the purpose of his comfort that he received from his lord jesus christ is indicated at the end of this verse 4 paul says who comforts us in all our afflictions here comes the purpose so that or in order that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by god mine this is a wonderful truth paul sees comfort listen to this not as an end in itself but as a means to an end He sees comfort as a stewardship. He sees God's comfort as something not intended to end with him but to be passed on. And he is saying 
if I have suffered, it's, it's so that God could comfort me so that I could comfort you when you suffer. The purpose of comfort then is to make us comforters. God is a comforter. Christ is a comforter. The Holy Spirit is. And so should we be. Paul is basically saying, I was always comforted by God in my distress. And now I can use that comfort and strength so to strengthen others. Do you see the mutuality of all of this? Do you see how all of our suffering enable us to minister to each other? That's the partnership in this whole thing. You are not out there doing your own thing. You represent the Lord Jesus Christ. You suffer persecution, rejection, loneliness, and you are abandoned and logged in, whatever hostility or pain it might be, and you receive comfort from God in those moments so that you can comfort others. Personally, I am very grateful for times when I had to go through difficulties and suffer for Christ's sake. It was never easy, but when I look back to those moments, I see many benefits of that suffering. Let me mention at least four. First, I learned how to trust God. In those difficult times, I didn't have anywhere else to go but to God. I couldn't control what was going on around me and within me, and so all my plans that I made before became garbage. I had to fully rely on God. It was always a test of my faith. Listen, God allows bad things to happen to test the validity of your faith, or if you will, to determine if your faith is a lasting or can be easily distracted. Because if it's a distractible faith, it is not a saving faith. If you in those hard situations start turning to someone or something else and in them search for help, then you don't really believe that God can save you. Because saving faith is indestructible. Saving faith endures to the end. Saving faith will teach you how to trust God. Secondly, my suffering helped me to grow in my faith. Our society and all people around us use all means to avoid any kind of suffering. But they don't understand that all these bad things are happening totally independent from their will. So the question here that has to be asked is not how can I avoid them, but how am I prepared for them when they happen? And when I am ready and they happen, I can even benefit from them. In my life, all those hard moments were like a fertilizer for my faith. The more challenging times I faced, the more I ran to God. I went to His Word and read, read His promises. And God talked to me as He talked to His people through, let's say, Isaiah 41.10. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Or he talked to me as he talked to David in Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
And I prayed more than before because I knew that only God could and would lead me out of those dark moments. See, my spiritual growth happened through prayers and through the reading of God's Word. Thirdly, in moments when I faced distress, I was grateful for my church. Many people don't understand how important it is to be part of Christ's visible body called church. They usually perceive it as a place to go on Sunday, but it's much more than that. This communion of my fellow brothers and sisters became Christ's hand and feet and ears. They listened when I talked, they called when I was alone, they provided for my physical needs when I was unable to take care of my physical needs, or they prayed for me when I had no energy to do that. Even now, I thank you people of the First Lutheran Church in Kingsville, how you reflect love and compassion for our Lord Jesus Christ and help other people in different needs. So thank you very much for that. And finally, because of my suffering, I can now better relate and understand and help people who go through the same suffering. I can better get in their shoes and feel their pain and struggles. And I can better share with them the comfort of God who comforted me in my affliction. And I am able to pour into them a confidence that God has poured into me when I went through my trials. You see, it's a partnership we are in. And you never can look at your own suffering independent of the whole body of Christ. As Christians, Paul says, we can mutually share in each other's lives the comfort we had received from the Lord. It works the way that someone else strengthens us because the lessons that he or she has learned come to you and you learn them. It helps you endure. That's really what comfort is. Because we have been there, we know there is light at the end of the darkness. And then in verse 7, Paul concludes his thought. And our hope for you is firmly grounded. He doesn't really doubt that God will be faithful and bring them through the difficulties. Our hope for you is firmly grounded. Why? What is it grounded on? Because we know that as you are sharers of our suffering, so also you are sharers of our comfort. I know you are going to be all right because there is a group in that church that are suffering for the cause of Christ and God will comfort you and strengthen you. And through that strength, your hope will stand. The partnership of comfort and goes like this. The multiplication of suffering in Paul's life multiplies divine comfort to him and that makes him capable of comforting other Christians who are suffering the same kind of affliction. And this comfort aids their endurance. So Paul says, whether it was afflicted or whatever, I was comforted in my affliction, it was for you. It was to make me strong, make me courageous, make me bold, so that I could come to you and give you confidence. This is even our call from God, my friends. Every time when we experience suffering, we learn to understand it as we are looking at our Lord Jesus Christ who suffered for us. And then we experience comfort that God gave us through His Holy Spirit. And He asks us to share it with others, first in our church, 
but then also with all those who are lost in their sorrow and desperation, trying to find a way out, just relying on themselves. Listen, we are not in spiritual isolation. We are connected through our faith in Jesus. Whatever pain and difficulty you go through, you don't have to dwell on your own sake, but rather to see how God can use it for others. So in this time of distress, focus first on the cross on Jesus and learn from him how your suffering can encourage and benefit others. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you reminded us that you are the God of all comfort. There's so much that could be said, so many issues of life that we can put in a completely different perspective. If we understand is when we live for you, when we speak the gospel, when we lift up Christ and suffer for his case, and we are humiliated or shamed or put down or persecuted or treated unkindly, we are just right at the point where your spirit will rest on us and fill us with strength, making us more able to minister to others who suffer the same. Lord, make us whatever you want us to be, whatever degree of suffering for the sake of uh, the King is required to shape us for ultimate usefulness. May we, like Paul, say, I gladly therefore rejoice in my weaknesses. Make us weak, O God, in the human realm, so that we may be strengthened in your strength. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.